Welcome back, everybody, to the Martial Arts Mania Podcast. I am one of your two hosts, AJ. And I am the other, Gavin. And we are extremely happy to be back today. We are recording our first episode together in person since before the COVID-19 lockdown. And we are maintaining uh, safe social distancing practices. We have cleaned off all the equipment. Uh, we are trying to be as responsible as possible, and we are just really excited to be here together today to record this episode for you guys. Did you have anything to say? <laughs> no, not, I think, I think I, Gavin was about to cry tears of joy. No, I was I was <laughs> going to make a crack earlier, and then then you then you wrapped it up so perfectly it felt like the joke would be uh, ill ill. Uh, Ill-spirited. Ill-spirited. Very good. Yes, it's you know it, it, it's hard to actually talk with another person in front of you. I'm so used to Zoom. Uh, the fact that <laughs> yeah. Gavin's face isn't glitching and lagging, it's uh, it's really something. So, how have you been? I've been I've been doing I think overall well. Right. It, I kind of it. I kind of uh, do my assessments how I feel right now. I mean, you know, I don't know how you've been doing, but like it's there's some ups and downs to the stay-at-home order, but staying staying well and. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely. Uh, I think one of the things people didn't take into account at first, or just didn't think about, was the psychological effects that it would have on everybody. Uh, I think it was discovered pretty early on for some people, like, oh wow, this really affects my mood, and it's really hard to stay confident. It's really hard to stay upbeat, but. It's good to just try to focus on uh, the things in your life that make you happy, the things you can do at home, trying to better yourself in any way possible, and knowing that we're going to get through this. Obviously, we have multiple things going on now in the world outside of COVID, but we hope that this episode can be a little bit of escapism for everybody, and you can enjoy uh, our list we have for you today. And speaking of which, our list today is one we are very excited to give to you guys. Would you like to tell uh, them uh, what it is? Absolutely. It is the top 10 contemporary fight scenes in Hong Kong cinema. That is correct. So these are one-on-one -on -one fight scenes, and they can come from any era of Hong Kong cinema, but they have to be contemporary, meaning modern-day style action. So in other words, no old-school kung fu fight scenes. And with this list, we said, obviously, any time period, as I just said, but I must say, 90% of mine come from what would be considered the classic era, the golden era of Hong Kong cinema. Only one of mine is from the last 20 years. Would you call it the Golden Harvest era of oh, Hong Kong cinema? Oh, 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 oh. well, it's funny. Uh, most of these are Golden Harvest. Uh, a few others in there uh Spoiler alert, a D&B film mm -hmm. is in there. Uh, and yeah, so as a heads up, we actually first recorded this episode, what would be, I think, over a month ago now. Just about. We did it on Zoom, and like a lot of people, we, we didn't have technical difficulties upon recording it, but I discovered later on when editing it, there was a lot of popping, a lot of breaking of the sound, stuff that had happened in previous recordings, but then uh, didn't show up afterwards. It wasn't a problem. This one, though, we, there was a lot of issues with the sound, and we kept saying, no, let's re-record it, let's re-record it. And then, obviously, a lot of crazy things started going on, and it was just really hard for us to coordinate. 
So I'm really happy we get to do this again finally. I've made a tiny change to my list. I know Gavin has as well. And otherwise, so we do have a pretty good idea of each other's lists. So real quick, we should go over the rules we set for this. So as Gavin mentioned before, uh, it is Hong Kong cinema. This list is Hong Kong cinema. It's one-on-one -on -one fight scenes, contemporary style action. Uh, would you like to give some of our other? Some of our other stipulations are only one per protagonist. So I just to clarify, Jackie Chan, he can only be on this list once. Yoon Biao, Sammo Hung, unless they are flipping and playing a protag uh, antagonist. But for the most part, this is your stars are only listed once, but some of your antagonists be could appear more than once on the list. So as uh, an example for maybe mainstream listeners might be able to recognize, although this isn't a Hong Kong film, for example, Jet Li could be featured, let's say, for one of his films as the good guy. And then later, he could have also made it, for example, as his bad guy role in Lethal Weapon 4 or something yeah. like that. Uh, and when doing this list, we discovered actually how hard it really was because there was a select few actors uh, that really dominated Hong Kong cinema in the sense of starring roles, our heroes, our protagonists. And I know a lot of people might initially think of, well, I can think of all sort of fights, but we're talking one-on-one. -on -one. There were so many stars of Hong Kong cinema that did great group fights, not as many one-on-ones as you'd think. And then when you suddenly take away that element of only allowing one entry per star, it actually made it difficult. I'd say like eight out of 10, easy. But then we came, got down to our last two where we'd be like, oh man, yeah, I'm, I'm struggling here. It, it's, it's, it's funny because that not only is it eight out of 10 can, could, could kind of be easy, then you're also, there's this uh, fluidity, particularly like number six through 10. Whereas number uh, one through five, while there is some fluidity, you, you kind of know what fights have to be there and what fights have to be in the top three. Uh, or at least top two. <laughs> yeah. So we've also decided today that any uh, double entries, ones that Gavin has and I have as well, we are going to wait to discuss until we get to uh, both of our listing of that entry. So, for example, if my number 10 is the same as Gavin's number 8, we're going to wait till Gavin's number 8 to talk about it just so we can keep the conversation rolling so we have all of our thoughts at the same time so we don't forget to say anything later and just to make it overall uh more uh smooth yes and and uh and the way you said smooth just threw me off it made me start to think about uh, some saxophone playing and some bass playing yeah so. smooth hong kong jazz so with that said once we get into this list, because I've had a month to think about it, I've changed one title mm -hmm. on my list, and I think my title will be objected and kicked out. But, because I don't think it hits everything, and I'm covering my paper. And yeah, he, he saw me look down just now at his list. I'm like, I'm going to see what this fool wrote. But I also changed my number 10. It's the only one I changed. Uh, but mine does qualify. It, uh, I noticed how he said that too. Mine yeah, does qualify. It does qualify. He, he, it's he just saw, he saw my paper. The the initial reason. No, no, I didn't I see know. yours. <laughs> but the initial reason why this one I didn't include as number ten originally is I thought, uh, 
Well, I'll get, when I discuss it, I'll, I'll put why. But either which way, you ready to get going? Let's do it. Let's do it. You are first, my friend. Okay. Here's the one that could be objected to, but okay. I, I'm going to say double impact. <laughs> okay. Bolo Young and Jean-Claude Van Damme. Okay, so you are, okay, so those uh, not familiar with the film, this is technically an American film shot mm -hmm. in Hong Kong, uh, written by Sheldon Littich, right? Was it directed by Sheldon Littich as well? I think it was written by Jean-Claude Van Damme. Oh, he he came up with the story, but I'm almost yeah, he, positive yeah, story, Sheldon yeah, Littich story, would have yeah. wrote it with him. Uh, and I'm, I think Sheldon Littich directed it too. I could be wrong. I, you might be right. Yeah. You might be right. Uh, I, I, I got to meet the gentleman when they did the screening of Double Impact uh, okay. with JC, uh, excuse me, with Jean-Claude Van Johnson at The Egyptian. Yes. Really cool. Awesome. I love Double Impact. So. Uh, if, and if you object, I go back to my previous number well, 10. Well, oh, man. But I just I just feel that, so my other previous number 10, if I should just mention right. it, is Richard Norton versus Yasuaki Kurata from uh, Millionaire's Express or Shanghai Express. Right. If you want to name it. It's a great fight scene. It's a it's a contrasting of styles. It's built smartly on top of each other. Uh, I also wanted to force both Richard Norton and Kurata onto this list because mm -hmm. they both deserve to be on this list because they're on so many great fights against the other protagonists that are on this list, but they don't necessarily make those top fights. So with so, that said, there was a forced entry, whereas Jean-Claude Van Damme and Bolo Young, it's a great fight. Okay, here's the deal. As the mayor of martial arts mania town, I'm going to allow it, and here's my reason why. Is it a Hong Kong film? No, but when I think of my favorite movies set or based in Hong Kong, around Hong Kong, Double Impact is one of those ones, the first ones that comes to mind, and it is very Hong Kong-centric. Yeah. The entire plot revolves around Hong Kong, the handover, even though it's a few years before. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's just the look, even more so than Bloodsport. Like, Bloodsport is obviously set in Hong Kong film there, but Double Impact really brings the the city to life. The And there's so much different scenery, and uh, you have some classic Hong Kong actors in there. Obviously, the aforementioned Bolo Young Absolutely. Uh, being in there. And uh, there is some very cool fight scenes in that movie, this one being my favorite, obviously. And... I am going to allow it. Thank you very much, Mayor. I, I have to say, what what brought this movie back to my attention, and it is one of my favorite Jean-Claude Van Damme movies, it is an absolute gem. Uh, the way the story is scripted, it, it does have a little bit of a campy feel to it, which does kind of capture the heart of a lot of Hong Kong cinema from the 80s. But what really reminded me of that final fight was the pre-fight that they have outside of the, the container or the truck. Yes. And if I'm not mistaken, they almost flipped the choreography from another fight scene that Jean-Claude Van Damme and Bolo Young had, where Bolo Young, where Jean-Claude Van Damme hits uh, Bolo Young in the nuts. No, but... but no, he, uh, am I he, in the movie wrong? No, no, no. You're okay. not... You're not so... But they flip the way he did the nut right, shot, right. and then he gets the reverse. So shot. you're thinking of Van Damme doing the nut shot in, on uh, the sumo wrestler in yes, Bloodsport. Yes, right, right. Yes. So they're now letting... And you know what's funny? When I first saw it, I thought the same thing. Yeah. It's like a nod to, oh, I can do it better it's, than you. It's an absolute... Yeah, yeah. As, as when I rewatched it a couple of days ago, I'm like, this, this is an absolute nod to the previous film, but also it's just... It, it's a... It's a wink to the film fans of Jean-Claude's career. And I think, as far as Bolo Young's extensive 
uh, filmography, mm -hmm. this is probably his most underrated role because everyone talks about Bolo and Into the Dragon, mm -hmm. and I'd say he's most famous uh, for all viewers, really, Chung Lee and Bloodsport, mm -hmm. which is a very over-the-top, great character. But his character in Double Impact is so much more subtle, right? Yes. He is just evil. And he, in the ending fight, gets to bring out some of that more exaggerated, uh, antagonistic elements that come with the final boss, right? Yeah. But throughout the movie, he's, you know, he's dressed in suits. He's know, got it, the slicked back hair. He's, he's totally menacing. Yeah, and he's yeah got, menacing. Great he's word. He's got, like... His most epic mullet, if I'm not mistaken, yep. at that point in time. Yep, and he's in fantastic shape as always. And because in that first little fight team they have, he just handles him so easily. Yeah, and he just like get, ducks down and gets that gets that nut shot in. And <laughs> I, I mean, it's just it's it's like a nut chop. It is a nut chop. chop. <laughs> yeah, yes. and there's something to be said about the way they filmed those fight scenes. So that first one. Uh, the final one, yeah. the one where the other brother, yes. Van Damme playing twins, by the way, first time he would do this uh, multiple times throughout his career. Uh, and when the other brother fights uh, is it Peter Malata, I think. Yeah. There's something about the way they filmed those fight scenes. And so let's specifically talk about the last one. It's the, the cinematography and uh, what would be like this, the, maybe it's the shutter speed or the, mm -hmm. the film speed that they film it at. Absolutely. And it gives this amazing look uh, not just the use of slow motion. It's sometimes like an in-between speed almost. Absolutely. Like they're filming at a not as common, uh, uh, what would you call it? Like speed rate or film rate, it, right? It is. And what I think what it does is it, uh, it increases the power of both of these, both of these fighters. Yes. And it brings out the, the best in them because I mean, Bolo Young is clearly a presence on, on camera. He's clearly super, I mean, he, he, he exudes this, uh, the strength, obviously, from his physique, but also through his acting. And Jean-Claude Van Damme, he packs a punch. And by by the shifting of the, the shutter speed or whatever they were doing, it just heightens that impact without it having to go over the top into super slow motion because it does maintain this like really good rhythm of one-on-one -on -one fight of a one-on-one -on -one fight scene. Right. And uh I agree with everything there. And as a quick note though, when it comes to the choreography of this fight scene, absolutely nothing special. In yeah. fact, if it played out at normal speed, it would be kind of like, oh, really? So that's when only Van Damme with the beautiful aesthetic of his kicks and movement yeah. and Bolo with his just years of experience and his menacing nature yeah. could pull this fight scene off. And it, it just works beautifully. And you could literally just watch Van Damme kick for days. Yeah. And... But it must be pointed out that they were obviously both in terrible shape when they filmed this. They, yeah. they I mean, they look just, no, I'm, I'm yeah. obviously being a smartass. Because for me, Van Damme was a huge inspiration for me also, uh, personal training-wise. As a lot of people know, I've, I've worked as a fitness professional for years now. And uh, I got very much into physique training when I was younger. And I'd say this role of Van Damme's, he is just so jacked, right? He is Absolutely. cut to the max. And obviously great lighting and stuff too, but... Uh, that's why his physical presence can match that of giant Bolo. And the 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 kicks. Man, I remember when I was filming an undergrad when I did film production, one of my first short films I was trying to film, I showed my buddy who was kind of working as my uh, DP or whatever, mm -hmm. you know, like, hey, this is the kind of fight scene I want to replicate. And nowadays you can do that kind of stuff on your phone almost. Yeah. But at the time we just couldn't we, we couldn't replicate it. We didn't have the kind of filters. You know, and we didn't have the ability to film it at that speed and that style. And we were still filming on tape at that point. Yeah. Uh, 
And so I, I've always just thought it was such a cool, slick fight scene. So I think great entry. Oh, thank you very much. And yeah, and like I said, I, I really wanted to, my first time I did this list, I really just wanted to force Norton and Kurata onto this list. They deserve to be on this list if we were listing out, you know, the top fight scenes of more than just, uh, and with, without the stipulation we have where it can just be one actor, these guys would most likely make the list. Uh, but when it comes down to it, one on one, and like you said, the choreography isn't the world's greatest. You put two different actors doing this choreography, you're going to watch it, and it's going to be a straight to video, heartless fight. But these guys <laughs> brought so much heart and yes. did things that other performers couldn't do. Agree. Uh, so that's my number ten. Yep. So uh, sorry, Mr. Norton, or as they would say in Australia, sorry, mate. <laughs> Uh, I don't know how to say in Japanese, so you can say sorry to Kurata-san if you like. Gomenasai, Kurata-san. Okay, so my number 10. My number 10. I changed from my original one, which I don't even need to mention. Uh, This one was one I had originally wanted to go with, and I said, no, it doesn't qualify because it's too short. That's what I was telling myself. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I said, forget about it. It's going in there because it's a great uh, opening fight scene to this movie. Maybe one of the most underrated Hong Kong uh, cinema action films. And that is going to be Andy Lau mm-hmm. versus Chung Fat or Fat Chung from Magic mm-hmm. Crystal. Very good choice. Uh, yeah. And so here's here's one of the or two of the reasons that I initially didn't want to include it. It's literally I timed it exactly one minute long, <laughs> so it's it's kind of short. And there's a third body in there technically, mm-hmm. right? Like Andy Lau kicks this one guy like twice. He's but the main fight is between uh, Chung Fat with an awesome perm, mm-hmm. like eighty style yeah. perm, and Andy Lau. And for those of you that haven't seen Magic Crystal, immediately stop what you're doing and find a way to watch this movie. I was lucky enough, I found a DVD of it in Chinatown uh, about when I was in high school, like 20-something years ago. Uh, And it's just, the the movie is just, it's a wacky, insane science fiction uh, blending of multiple genres type movie, but the fight scenes are phenomenal. They are so good. The, the aforementioned Richard Norton's in there, Cynthia Rothrock's in there. And although Andy Lau was not a martial artist by trade, he definitely proved himself throughout the 80s doing these films and working mm-hmm. with the best. I mean, Lucky Stars Go Places, yep. this one, and he he proves his physicality in this role. Yes, his opening training montage in the gym is very cheesy, hokey, uh-huh. and you're like, wow, they're really trying to make him look in shape. <laughs> but that aside, the opening fight between these two, the choreography is incredible. There's just, uh, it, a lot of it goes to Chung Fat. He does some amazing kicks. Just yep. real basic, like nothing's better. Like he does like a jump flying sidekick that mm-hmm. he just does with such power. And innovative choreography it's i remember first watching the movie when i saw that opening fight scene i said oh my god i'm in for an amazing movie and it's just such an incredible fight scene i know i've said that like 10 times now but i mean it and it's 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 such a well-paced movie and there's something about it that i i don't know in the time frame uh in the historical time frame of when it was made i kind of presume it was made between Armor of the Armor of God and Operation Condor time frame. I think it, it right was before, Armor, right before. I right? think it's eighty five in yeah. my head, but I could be wrong. Yeah, I, I I feel like it falls right around the yeah. or first Armor of God, and there is a real sense of adventure to this film. And what I love about the film, if I'm not mistaken, because it's been a long time since I read it, uh, watched it, and the first time I watched it was like a region like two or three DVDs, oh. so I had to like change my like oh, computer God. but it yeah. was it's like shot a little lower shot a little wider 
and it just has like this adventure feel to it. And this fight scene that opens up the film, or it's the first fight scene in the film, just really launches the audience into into something that's going to be kind of great. Yeah, and the the interesting part about all the fight scenes throughout the movie, this one's straight contemporary, like kickboxing mm-hmm. style, and the whole choreography throughout the movie is, yet they randomly incorporate old-school kung fu weaponry yes. and style of fighting, which sometimes they try to write it into the plot, other times they just don't give a crap, like Cynthia Rothrock as a... Uh, Interpol agent randomly carries <laughs> yeah. around with her traditional Chinese weaponry. And then same thing, Richard Norton's character has his size. Then there's one point where they're fighting in a house and there's like a traditional Chinese Tai Chi sword on the wall they yep. start using. I mean, uh, they're, they're taking like uh, yeah. the, the the traditional Chinese uh, martial arts stances. It's, it's been oh, yeah. And, and it's, it's, it's great because it's kind of like, I'm sorry to step on your words, but it's like, it's like, juxtaposed in a yes. way by having the the westerners do the do this traditional fight scene yep yeah and that's that's the crazy part is there's one fight where richard norton i'm not sure if he's using any specific like kung fu yeah. style but they're trying to make it look very traditional i think really they probably told him to play around with his goju ryu right yes. and yes. then cynthia is using i want to say it's mantis even though she was an eagle claw yeah. expert i want to say she uses mantis i'm almost positive it's mantis and uh you just don't care because it's so amazing. You're like, this really doesn't make sense, but awesome. And the, the, this film is another film that uses like that half motion and slow motion really well. Mm. Like when they're taking these like stances. Oh like, yeah, I've heard, film, uh, yes. It's like all of a sudden, it's like it, it's like power is like coming through the str- your 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 screen as you watch it. Yes. Yeah, so as far as opening fight scenes go, it's amazing. It's only a minute long. There's technically a third body, but that's my number ten entry. Excellent entry. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So on to number nine. My number nine is uh, Yukari Oshima and Frankie Chan as a protagonist against Mark Houghton and Jeff Falcon in Outlaw Brothers. And Excellent. I, and I Excellent. don't think we actually mentioned this uh, in our opening stipulation where you can have multiple fighters, but they have to be on one-on-ones. But once you mention them, they're eliminated from the list. Right. Exactly. So uh, this is two one-on-one fight teams going on at the same time. So it's not multiple people fighting each other in a sense. It's not a two-on-one or a three-on-one. It's uh, two separate one-on-one fight scenes, but these count as their entries. So he will uh, no longer be able to have Yukari Oshima as a protagonist. He will no longer be allowed to have Frankie Chan as a protagonist. But he could potentially later have Frankie Chan as an antagonist. However, the main role I think of him now would be Prodigal Son, which yeah. would not qualify because it's old school kung fu. Anyways, keep going. Okay, so that was that was the the fine print uh, that you just heard. Basically, what I love about this film and love about this fight scene is, and I think we talked about it the first time we recorded, Frankie Chan does rated our action so well. Yeah. So like you're watching Jackie Chan, you're gonna get PG PG thirteen, and you know you're gonna get really quick movement. And I love unless that. you watch Jackie Chan's film All in the Family, which was kind of yeah. like a softcore <laughs> yeah. porno he did yeah. in the seventies. Uh, a little side note anyways keep going yeah so but when you when you watch frankie chan you're getting rated r fight scenes and it's sometimes you just want a little rated r when the fight scenes are so fast and so powerful and what i love about these two fight the this fight scene in particular is you have the two protagonists flipping their opponent once they get to learn their opponent and kind of i i feel like it's not necessarily in the script but they give each other kind of a look and there's kind of this tacit understanding that hey we're going to flip because you have the skills to fight the other person better or you know what it's just for the audience's 
entertainment purposes that they flip because we want to see Frankie Chan go from Mark to Jeff and you got it the other way around, right? Did I get the, I got the order right? I yes, think. I think yeah. so. Yeah. And I mean, it's just the, the movement, the pacing and it's, you know, it's what I also love is it's, it's set in a traditional, like so many Hong Kong movies at the time, it's going to end in a, in a warehouse. It's a warehouse. Yes. Scene. I, yeah. And what they do is they use, they use that environment. They, they kind of get the audience ready for that fight scene it's it's sort of like you've walked into uh, a boxing tournament and you know there's going to be a fight in that ring you walk the the movie enters the the warehouse you know there's going to be a fight and then these four performers just go at it as gavin knows because i showed him my projects from undergrad my short films i think (laughs) each one was shot in a factory the same factory which was my father's uh company he owned and operated for over 30 years, the Sierra Spice Company in the Central Valley, California. Shout out to my father, Gary Ricciardi, and the Sierra Spice Company. But it was big enough where I could film in the different warehouses, and you didn't (laughs) know. Uh, Did you say, and he didn't know? No, 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 no. He knew. He he knew. I didn't just sneak in there. Uh, But it's just that that setting automatically, like, gets me excited. Yeah. And you nailed it. It's just you know you're in for a, a special sequence of events and what's fantastic about these fighters i think all four of them are such fantastic kickers three in particular stand out to me as great kickers and there's a lot of distance fighting even though they're in close quarters Mm -hmm. and it's just so great to see them stretch and reach for each other and i love the contrast in the fact that this is definitely a contemporary fight scene but both jeff falcon and mark houghton come from what would be traditional chinese martial arts backgrounds if i'm not mistaken jeff falcon was more of a wushu proponent uh Whereas Mark Houghton is very well known for being a traditional Chinese Southern Kung Fu expert and the official heir to the Lagar Lung Hungar lineage. Uh, and they are both just fantastic performers. Anybody that's watched a decent amount of classic golden era Hong Kong cinema will recognize these two immediately. And uh, it's in that fight sequence, who's using the fan? Is that uh, Jeff Falcon uses the fan, I think? Yes. Or, yeah. Uh, whoever goes against you, Gotti. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just, uh, just man, why can't they film fight scenes like this I anymore? Know. <laughs> I know. Uh, uh, I believe we're to your number nine now. Okay. Great number uh, nine entry. Uh, so my number nine is a very important fight scene in the evolution of fight choreography, which we're definitely going to talk about more when we get to our threes through one. But this one will be Game of Death 2. And it's going to be Casanova Wong mm-hmm. versus Kim Tai Chung, aka nice. Tong Lung. So I'm putting it as Game of Death 2 slash Tower of Death because that's the, this fight scene was released in the Game of Death sequel for American audiences. In the Hong Kong version of the first Game of Death, this fight scene was included. And that had to do with the rights to certain footage, uh, international, U.S. domestic, so forth, so forth. So this fight scene is put at the beginning of Game of Death 2. It's between Casanova Wong and our protagonist, played by Kim Tai Chung, who at that point is supposed <coughs> to be playing the character of Billy Lowe, which is supposed to be Bruce Lee. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you're going to be confused. Uh just you're just gonna have to figure it out if you want to get into Bruce exploitation. Either which way, this fight sequence it's in a uh, greenhouse type setting. Mm-hmm. Casanova Wong's in his karate uniform, 
uh, Kim Tai Chung's in the Bruce Lee like black outfit that he wore in Way of the Dragon a lot. And the fight scene itself is just, it's one of the very first ones, because technically this would have been filmed in like 1978, mm -hmm. that had that modern Hong Kong contemporary, what I like to call the new wave kickboxing choreography. And it was just groundbreaking because like nothing had be been filmed like that at that point. And yes, they still didn't quite have the upper body down yet in the sense of like the boxing type choreography we would get later with Jackie Chan and Sam on this. But the kicks, the kicks are incredible. They're amazing. Uh, the power, the aerial kicks, the spinning kicks, the speed at which it was filmed. Uh, yes, a little bit of undercraking. Yes, a little bit of, you know, speeding it up, but it just works brilliantly. And then still including the slow motion, like the jump split kick mm -hmm. where he breaks the two pots and it's just hard hitting, beautifully shot. And it was the first one of its kind and was a, a little test run, you could say, a little taste foreshadowing of what was to come of Hong Kong cinema after that. So that is my number nine entry. That's a great entry. And I, I think... Uh you did write a little something about this. Which fight did you write something about? No, not this one. This was an entry that's no longer on the list. That entry? Okay. Yeah, so you, this one. Okay. Yeah. Uh, people listening, uh, AJ wrote a, a piece on what was the fight? So originally my number 10 was uh, a fight sequence from uh, the Chinese stuntman, a.k.a. Okay, Counterattack, right. right. with uh, Bruce Lai. And... I, I wrote a research paper on this particular film last year, so I read a big old segment on it. And and I'm gonna I'm gonna urge like you to put it on our website. And, I will. And I, I I I'm gonna go read it. I urge listeners to to read it because that's it's yeah I don't know it, the 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 movie itself that one uh, real quick side note Chinese oh, stuff man very very uh, underrated in terms of the context of it and. Uh, how it deconstructed the martial arts genre. And that's pretty much what I wrote about. So I'll, I'll eventually post it on there so people can read. It was for a film criticism class I was taking. And so I was, you know, they encourage you to use different approaches uh, to film criticism that you might not normally use. And it's a very psychoanalytic film, this and that. But uh, either which way, back to Game of Death okay. 2. Yes, uh, do you have any notes on this fight or? What, well, what I'd like, I mean, this, I think we talked about the, the last time with, uh, like that listeners will never hear. Uh, Casanova Wong, this was around the time, just before After Warriors 2, correct? Yeah, that around was, the same time, around yeah. Around the same time. So this is around the time that has, he's possibly already worked with Sammo as far as a choreographer. Most definitely, because Iron Fisted Monk was 77, right. okay, so there. he would have, yeah. So, and, and, and we, we talked about how Sammo has been able to, like, bring out the best in performance. I'm wondering if you, watching this sequence, are seeing any Sammo influence through Casanova Wong's performance. Because Casanova Wong was kind of like the experimental like lead actor right i you make a very good point and here's the same thing to think about so when it comes to game of death 2 aka tower of death i've seen listed online we know for a fact that Corey yuan mm -hmm. no, excuse me yuan wo ping was yes. the choreographer and Corey yuan and i've heard samuel hung okay so like those three have been circulated around that but remember this fight team was originally filmed for game of death for the hong kong audiences and Sammo was the one that was running those fights that were shot outside of Bruce Lee's, yeah. obviously. And so Bruce, uh, so that would mean that Sammo did choreograph this fight scene. Okay. By and so yeah, by default, yeah, yeah, by okay. default, exactly. Okay. So and you are one hundred percent right, Sammo. Uh, when you have 
So Kim Tai Chung was a great kicker, was a you know great performer, not like necessarily the best in the world to me. But when you have someone like Casanova Wong, yeah. you know Sam Samo, man, the guy just has an eye. Yeah, and it, Samo in many ways used Casanova. Not you, I don't mean that in a negative way, but used Casanova to help usher in this new era. And that's and I think Casanova, you know, the part of me wants to believe that Casanova knew what was happening, knew that cinema was changing. And even though he wasn't necessarily, yeah, well, he was kind of he was a big star, but even though he was not necessarily Bruce Lee or, or Jackie Chan, he was like the bridge to bringing in this style through the choreography of Samuel Hung. That's that's my, you know, uh, rose tinted glasses version of, of that era, that period, short time period. I like it. I like it. Uh all right, that's pretty much really all I have to say about that. Are you ready for your number eight? I am indeed, and I think this is our first, uh, this might be our first overlap. My <gasps> da, number da, 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 da. <laughs> so my number eight involves Moon Lee mm-hmm. versus Yugari Oshima mm-hmm. in Iron Angels. My friend, we have the same number eight. So oh, once- same number eight? Yeah, this is oh, my number eight too. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's right, because last time my Moon Lee was a different film. Right, right, right. We've shot for... So, and for those of you listening but not listening uh, intently enough, you might say, Huey Jun Yukari Oshima. Now she is the bad guy in this yeah. fight scene. The bad girl. The bad girl, excuse yeah. me. Thank you, Gavin. So she is the villain of the fight scene. And so we can talk about this together now. Oh, this is great. Yeah. So really, not the longest fight scene in the world. Not too short. But it is just brutal, hard-hitting, mm-hmm. like just crazy, intense choreography you can see one of the things that stands out to me in this fight scene is you can tell how great of martial artists the both of them were. Obviously, as we've talked about, Moon Lee legitimately learned martial arts for her roles. Yukari Oshima had an actual legitimate martial arts background. She studied uh, Gojoru Karate with uh, Mr. Mm-hmm. Miki. Mm-hmm. That's all I know from the docu- <laughs> Top Fighter 2 documentary. But uh, so not only do you see that, you see how great a shape they're in. I know this is going to sound so silly. There's one point where, like, Moon Lee's, like, shirt kind of rides up, and you see she has, like, a six-pack. Uh-huh. You just see how athletic she was at yeah. that time. And uh, it's just – it shows in the fight scene how brutal it is, how intense it is. They're literally throwing each other's bodies around. It's They're bleeding all over the place. And, and I mean uh... – when I was trying to go through looking for the Moonly like one on one fight scene, because there has there I knew there had to be a Moonly one on one fight scene. You see Moonly going against a bunch of people all the time. Like every single one of her movies, someone steals a purse, someone steals something. <laughs> yeah. She has to fight all these like clumsy guys. Uh, but for her to have a one on one fight scene against a an extremely accomplished martial artist and screen presence in Yukari Oshima is just like it's it's a film fan's dream come true. Yeah, agreed. And uh the the one particular move that really stands out is when she swings her around and hits her on the wall. Uh-huh. And you're just like, damn. <laughs> yeah. it, it's bone crunching. Yeah. That's a good word well, for it. And not not to hark hark uh, back to my list, but like my number nine uh, with with you, Gotti and Frankie Chan was rated R action. Yes, and so is Moon. Oh Lee. yeah, Moon Lee's always been a rated R action person, and so is you, Gotti Oshima. She can lend her her skills to that, and this is like a bone crunching fight sequence. Now, uh, choreography wise, what what who are we talking about here? You know what? That's actually something that I didn't look up before. I'm not sure. It is interesting to note though that the Iron Angels filmed, and oh, I can't think of her name right now. Wow. Uh, 
had they were well a lot of times they'd have two directors right like an action one yeah. but it was a female director helming those films as well really and when it comes to the girls with guns sub the subgenre mm-hmm. which uh, for those of you that don't know it's kind of in the mid eighties there was this trend again going back to having female protagonists and female leads and uh, sometimes the movies would be a little more lighthearted like Inspector wears skirts right. Other times they would be these dark, gritty films. Oh, yeah. And uh And they got dark. Oh yeah. And the Iron Angels movies obviously have comical like elements in them, like travel log things yeah. going to Malaysia. And, <laughs> but the fight scenes in them are n- no joke. No, they're they're nasty, they're fast, they're quick, and the and the, these performers also sell. I mean, I think like going going back to number ten, you were talking about Andy Lau. One mm-hmm. thing that's great about Andy Lau and uh, these two performers as well is they are acting their way through these scenes. And yes. even back to my number 10, like they're, they're acting their way through these scenes. So you're getting real, you know, part, and I'm going to, I'm going to borrow the phrase that you're getting real emotional content in these sequences, which is, which is what we want as an audience. You can't just throw in an action sequence and expect the audience to stand up. We need emotional content. Try again with me. Okay, yes. That was the reference he was talking about. Yes. Uh, Mr. Bruce Lee in Enter the Dragon. Uh, but yes, you're 100% spot on. There's so much. And you know what? Real quick side note. A lot of times when you see uh, a lot of these stunt groups on YouTube, right? Mm-hmm. And they'll do these fight scenes. And sometimes the choreography is brilliant. Yep. Sometimes. And it, but then they almost don't know how to have the emotional content. And that's what separates some of these current yeah. online ones like for example i love marshall club uh and yeah. they do all their stuff is typically of the old school 80s hong kong uh aesthetic uh they do both like traditional kung fu choreography also sometimes more like 80s the hong kong style but they know how to and this is a different emotional content it's yeah. not so much a i'm angry and serious yeah. it's like the the comical jackie yeah. selling it and it's an important part of fight scenes that it, people take for granted. It, it's it's not just about knowing when to throw. Uh, it's it's about how to receive, how to throw. Just it's are you acting? It's it, throwing is just another. It is throwing throwing a, a fist or a kick is it's uh, it's it's just another part of a character's extension. And like I, I remember when I took a couple of acting classes, there were the teacher was against having anyone smoke on stage or pretend to smoke because right. they're like that's. You're you're using that as a prop unless until you learn to really smoke. Right. So it's the same thing. Like until you learn to really, uh, you know, throw punches, and and it's you you can see it in 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 this fight scene and all all these fight scenes, quite honestly. But like that's how these make this list. And there are other great s- sequences that have great choreography that don't make this list. But I'm I'm, tra- I'm, I'm starting to slide off of Iron Angel. So that, that's all right. I think uh, we've made some great points. And uh, I think now probably the question we all have is, did you ever learn to smoke? No, I didn't. And, okay. I, and I, I haven't acted either. Yeah. I've tried. <laughs> I've, I've starred in a couple of movies directed by uh, Gavin Kelly. Yeah. Written nice. by Gavin Kelly, edited by Gavin Kelly. Shot by Gavin Kelly shot as well. Gavin so Kelly, yes. it was. There was one movie that I shot with a friend, uh, Quincy. I think he listens. If he doesn't, he will have to listen to this episode where we had a few actors who were, who were supposed to show up uh-huh. and they didn't. And we only uh-huh. had one day. 
and my uh, my camera battery had died. Ah! So we only could plug in the camera. So we played multiple roles. We played all the roles and just, uh, yeah. I was about to say amateurs, but then I'm like, oh, wait, they really are amateurs. Yeah, we really were amateurs. Okay. So now that we've both done our number eight, that's technically your number seven now. Okay. My number seven is uh, Cynthia Rothrock and Michelle Yeoh versus Dick Way and Chun Fat, which I believe is somewhere on your list. This is true. So we will wait Till it gets onto my list because it's much farther down on my list. And we can discuss perhaps the difference in position for us. So yes. therefore... In that case, I'll say, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, uh, madam. Yeah. Uh, interesting note. So those that maybe haven't seen it or never watched the original Hong Kong choreography, excuse me, the Cantonese version, uh, in all cop films in the 80s and stuff in the Cantonese version, when they were saying, yes, sir, or, yes, madam, it would be in English. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, madam. Yes, the, madam. The Mad- Mandarin versions... Would not necessarily. Uh, and I guess that's just a colloquial thing, right? But, okay, so now my number seven, which I know is also on your list, oh. is... Oh, yes. Uh, Biao. So it's from Writing Wrongs, and it's Biao versus Peter Sugarfoot Cunningham. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, as much as we love our sensei, Peter Sugarfoot Cunningham, and that fight scene from that movie, I am actually talking about Writing Wrongs, Biao versus Melvin Wong. And Excellent. this is... Uh, which number of this is? Uh, uh, I'm looking back at my notes before, and I have to confirm. Oh no, that... it wasn't on your list. Wait, writing wrong? Oh, it is. Yeah, it is. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So what number is it though? I it's... have it as number five. Oh, okay. So uh, all right then. So in that case, we are now going to go to our number six. Yes. So my number six is uh, uh, Jet Li versus Dick Way in. Um, I'm so sorry, Dragon Fight. Excellent. And so I must say, when we were first doing this list and Gavin put that entry, I kind of just paused and I thought, brilliant, brilliant choice because I have recently just rewatched that film a couple months yeah. back and it is such an underrated film. Uh, real quick side note for people that don't know, this was a film from the late 80s, a Jet Li film, contemporary action, shot in San Francisco. So he would do two films back to back. This mm-hmm. one, which was shot in Northern California, and then The Master, the Troy Hart film, which was shot in Los Angeles. Uh, rumor has it he was filming these movies back to back so he would be working in America and could possibly get his green card oh. for the States. That's a rumor I heard. Uh, I have nothing to uh, verify that. But This film often flies under people's radars because it's really hard to get a hold of. Once again, another one I bought in Chinatown back in the day. Uh, It hasn't been seen by a lot of people, and it's just a gem of a movie. So It it is, and and, uh, I know there's another Jet Li fight, and I'm sure that that it's on your list. It it almost made my list, Uh, but the reason I chose this Jet Li fight, and I, I almost flipped it to number five, and you moved the writing wrongs down to number six, uh, the reason I chose this Jet Li fight is it is his most grounded of all his grounded fights. It is his best fight. And again, the emotional content is off the charts in this fight sequence between Jet Li and Dick Way. And Dick Way is the antagonist in this scene, but is is in many ways uh, what I liked about this, it kind of goes back to Dick Way's performance in Project Day. He comes across as potentially the better fighter or the fighter who is going to win the fight. And Jet Li, much like Jackie Chan, had to incorporate Samuel Hung and Yun Biao to beat uh, Dick Wei in Project A. 
Jet Li has to incorporate a few. Uh, I think a, I think he picks up a few weapons along the way uh, to to defeat Dick Way. And what I loved about this, it's it's if you were maybe training a fighter or someone or a script writer, you would sit them down to watch the sequence because it shows how there is action, reaction and reaction upon the reaction. It's, it's very human. Uh, and what I'm referencing is the, uh, the kicks that Jet Li sets up and he doesn't land the first one, or I, I'm sorry, Dick Way is setting up kicks. And he lands the first one, and then Dick Way changes. He, uh, uh, what do you call it? Telegraphs that he's going to set up the same kick, and he reads that Jet Li has read it, and then switches kicks on him. So, in terms of like fighting, this would be almost like what we call a feint. Yeah. Uh, in the sense of he's setting up, he throws one like as a fighter. I may throw. Uh, I'll give you the perfect example because our coach, our sensei, Peter Sugarfoot Cunningham, does this all the time. It'd be throwing like a uh, low. Inside, left kick. Throwing another low, inside, left kick. Now your opponent is used to it. You look down like you're going to throw a low, inside, left kick. And instead, you throw a high, left kick, knocking them out almost like he did with Phil Holdridge. Uh, so you can go ahead and watch Peter Sugarfoot Cunningham versus Phil Holdridge on YouTube and get a perfect example of that. Yeah, and so th- this this is the this is the fight sequence where you sit people down, like I said, and you have them watch and you learn whether they're fighters or whether they're script writers or whether they're just people trying to observe human human nature. Because there there's a, there's a story behind this fight, and again, uh, just take breaking down this fight sequence for a second. What I love is it's isolated. It's very much like another fight that takes place later or higher up on our sequence, where it's I two guys isolated. Uh, in I believe it's a decrepit building, and uh, it's just I don't think the film was sped up once, which was in, happened a lot in Jet Li films mm-hmm. in that era. I don't think there was any use of wire work, which happened a lot in Jet Li movies in that era. If there was, it was just here or there, just you know, and it, it heightened the scene rather than carried the scene. And for me, watching Jet Li have a performance like this is why I love watching Jet Li films. And, you know, uh, I can look at a lot of Jet Li, like, Kiss the Dragon, where he's mm-hmm. the two guys, like, the two-on-one. It's also on the ground. He's, he's like, restricted to to just uh, working within that environment and not any sped-up film. This this is, this. I think, a lot of Jet Li's career, if, if he was shooting the, both those films at the same time, I would believe it, because I think he was shooting a lot of projects at the same time throughout his career. And it sometimes hurt the quality of his of his, I won't say of his legacy because that's not fair, but at least the quality of the films that he was releasing until he got to the point to shoot a film like this or a couple other films throughout his career that are just absolute gems. And I think the lower budget of this film actually benefited it because it was shot in Northern California, Mm -hmm. San Francisco, which I just love seeing any film shot. And it's all throughout the Bay Area. And uh, so they probably couldn't have brought in a whole extensive Hong Kong crew, a.k.a. wire work team. Yeah. So he's forced to do things more grounded. That being said, there's a lot of great Bay Area martial artists that were featured in this film. I, I mean, I can't remember all off the top of my head, but we have George Chung, the mm-hmm. Taekwondo expert. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have Ernie Reyes Sr. Yep. Uh, pops up there. And Scott Coker, as mm-hmm. in the founder of Strike Force, and then now the head <laughs> of Bellator, pops up in there. Uh, and a few other familiar faces. And uh, that that added this unique element and aesthetic to the fight scenes. And as a fun note, it's also an early role for Stephen Chow, 
before oh, yeah. he was a superstar. And it also co-stars Nina Lee, who would become Jet Li's future wife. Oh, really? Yeah. The, I, didn't, I didn't realize she was in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's, actually, uh, she's the one who's looking for her brother. I should, You know, if I go back and watch it, right. I'll realize. But like, Or if you had actually it. watched it at all. Liar! Uh, no, and then, and then what I also love about this sequence is just the, the gravitas and the seriousness and the professionalism that comes across through Dick Way's performance. It, it, it plays to all of his strengths at that point in his career. And I, I think it's kind of interesting because a lot of times when people speak in terms of Hong Kong cinema, non-action related, and they talk about the immigration genres from that time, specifically like the films of uh, Mabel Chung and, and Autumn's Tale, this is one of – martial arts films were also experimenting with this concept and this idea and uh, of the influx of immigration, particularly, you know, people unsure of the – upcoming handover that was going to happen in 1997 because this film deals with it obviously the whole idea is you know uh illegal immigration into america uh samuel hung dealt with it in paper marriage yep so there were multiple films that were also uh playing with this concept and obviously gently would re-examine this issue in his next film the master and that could have just been for convenience being that it was also set in los angeles yep. but uh either which way those are interesting side notes but Excellent entry. Any final thoughts? I, I'm, I'm, I'm ready. Okay, so my number six uh, is also on your list, I believe, and so we might not be able to talk about it uh, just yet. But my number six is from Pedicab Driver, Billy Chow versus Sammo Hung. And that is definitely on your list and it's farther down, correct? It is. It is farther down. Okay. Yeah. So then uh, what is your... My number five uh-huh. is your number seven or six? Right, writing wrongs. wrongs is my number seven. So now yeah. we get to talk about Yuen Biao versus Melvin Wong in writing wrongs. So this is the final fight scene of one of my favorite all-time Hong Kong martial arts movies. Uh, yes, I'm I'm slightly biased, but it's it's very important for me because this is the movie uh, where I first got to see. Peter Sugarfoot Cunningham, my now coach, sensei. Uh, it, because I actually found this movie before I was able to find a copy of No Retreat, No Surrender. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. They were around the same time, but I found this one first. And I specifically remember seeing the trailer for this on my <laughs> Tai Sang VHS, I believe, uh, Wheels on Meals. Okay. And it's one of the coolest cut trailers of all time. It, it's fantastic. Yeah. And uh, this final fight sequence, though. It, it's amazing. You have two great performers. Melvin Wong, who wasn't necessarily a martial artist by uh, his background, but I heard he did study like white crane kung fu maybe. He got in excellent shape for this film. He trained uh, apparently with Eddie Mayer, who is uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, another ha- ha- like He was, I believe, half Chinese, maybe half European, so Euro uh, Eurasian, mm-hmm. uh, who ran uh, a gym in Hong Kong. And so he's in phenomenal shape. And then obviously you have the fantastic Yuen Biao. And I think we can all agree that this fight sequence features maybe the greatest kick of Hong Kong cinema. I, I think that is very fair to say. You get to see it, I think, three times and in, uh, and in beautiful slow motion. Yes, yes. It and is also in like regular motion. They, you know, they do the slow motion and then it like comes across... I don't think they do. I don't think they do. I think it comes around and then they do it quickly again. We might have to, because you get the first shot of up close with UMBI's face. He's like, ah, and then they do the slow. 
And I want to say it just lands, but I don't, I don't know because he straight up actually lands. And a lot of times when they cut to that fast, it's to not let the viewer see it doesn't make contact. Yeah. But no, this, no, he lands it. Yeah, it lands. Yeah. So you, you could be right. You could be right. I'll have to go back and rewatch it. But so for, so for me, the reason it's so high up there is it's it's the kick. The mm-hmm. kick. Ha- and I, originally I had this at number four because I the kick again. But uh, after we had our discussion, I, I felt it was justified to slip it down to five. But it's just, it's just such a good sequence. And I think it's also, when we're talking about contemporary fight scenes, I know like the kick is unbelievable, but it also seems entirely realistic. Yes. Entirely realistic. The way it's shot, uh, the way they're standing. I mean, I think Yun Biao is like, further to his side not showing like not squaring up as much as he normally would for other films because usually you want to see them square up just for the the camera angles and whatnot but this is this is shot like it's actually two guys one guy trying to get away and if he has to kill Yun Biao he will and Yun Biao out to kill this guy right and the the fury from the build-up of the movie and yeah. the reason why Yun Biao literally wants to kill him and as the, far as the kick goes, this is a kick that sometimes people identify as a cyclone kick mm-hmm. or a tornado kick. But what happens is UNBO ends up tilting his body uh, at an angle where you you would not be able to land. You would have to fall down as you throw it. Similar to uh, Kyokushin Karate has mm-hmm. uh, the spinning heel kick of that same style. So that's why it is phenomenal and beautiful, but realistic at the same time. Yeah, you could you could land this in a fight. People have landed fights like uh, excuse me kicks like this in fights. And for me, as I mentioned last time, I like how a lot of times throughout the fight you see UNBO utilize a more kickboxing type stance and movement, uh, which he wasn't necessarily always the best at per se. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was on our kickers list because he's a phenomenal kicker. But I like there's certain sequences where they're up close and you see him literally in what we call like a boxer shell. He's got both hands up around his chin, kind of rolling and almost slipping with punches. And so it's a... It's a realistic technique that we didn't always see from Yuen Biao. And in fact, you didn't see a lot in general in Hong Kong cinema. And I feel like that adds this slight element of realism to it. And I love, we have the longer takes, we have the wide shots, the close-ups, the quick cuts, uh, you know, when they're slipping off each other's grip. And it gives it that raw, gritty feel. We have some power kicks, like he does a jump double uh, yeah. kick under his chest yeah just it, it, it's just of and right before that we're treated to cynthia rothrock's final fight sequence which is amazing and you think yeah. wow how can we get any better than that well i'll tell you how you get better than that you <laughs> followed up with UNB versus melvin wong it, it's it's such it's it's such a great film and of course this this probably influences how highly i rate this fight scene right but whether it's five or seven, it's on this top ten list, and it is Yun Biao's best one-on-one contemporary fight scene, hands down. And I think that any any other performer would be lucky to come, walk away from a fight uh, from a fight sequence with Melvin Wong as the antagonist, with with full respect to Melvin Wong, who, as you stated, has had a, has his own training, but he's essentially an actor first before martial artist. A lot of these other names on this list are martial artists versus martial artists mm-hmm. and in this case melvin wong elevated his game and yun biao i'm not going to say he carried him because that's not fair to say right. at all but yun biao was able to 
uh, really come through with something special that you might not expect unless you're facing someone like a Dick Wei or a Billy Chow or Yukari Oshima. All of a sudden, you're facing Melon Wong, who I, I don't think would make would make the list without this. Oh, yeah, for sure. And you have to see the movie, too, to see the build-up to it because you have Melvin Wong, who's just an evil son of a bitch. Yeah. And you have this moral dilemma of Yuen Biao, who is a prosecutor who decides to take uh, the law into his own hands. Hence the actual English title of Above the Law. It was also, yeah. we call it Writing Wrongs because I think that's the version we both saw it as and I like it better and so it doesn't get mixed up with Steven Seagal's Above the Law. But really just an amazing fight sequence as part of an amazing film. My hat off to Corey Ewan for creating all those amazing yep. sequ sequences and Sammo guest choreographing the last Cynthia Rothrock fight. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay, I, didn't know, yeah. I didn't know which fight he guest yes. choreographed on. Yes. But that makes sense. Yeah. So, uh, I I will. My final thought okay. is: How does he continue to smoke the pipe after he's used it in his special other way? Yes, yes. So, uh, I, I've never understood. He puts it back in, and he just sits down and smokes. That I couldn't tell you. I don't know. Maybe as a, a guy who designs specialty, uh, <laughs> hey, I need a pipe that can kill somebody. Uh, but anyway, so now my number five. Yes. Uh, which isn't on your list because you already used a Jet Li fight sequence, but this is the one you were hinting at. Mm -hmm. And for me, it is it. It, it could easily be my number one. It is my favorite Jet Li fight sequence. It is phenomenal. It is the final fight of Fist of Legend, Jet Li versus Billy Chow. Mm -hmm. But I am specifically talking about what would be, I think it was Dimension Films. Yes. Yeah. Their release from the late 90s, that English dub, because there was a previous English dub they did when it first came out. And then a few years later, they redid it for the U.S. market on VHS. And the reason why it has to be this one specifically is the music yep. from that version uh, we've brought this up before. Occasionally you have different soundtracks for the original Hong Kong release and the U.S. release. Sometimes the Hong Kong release is way better. Sometimes the English release soundtrack is way better and yeah. it could easily make or break a film. And this will come up again with our, uh, another entry. But, so it has to specifically be that version for me. But the fight sequence itself is just incredible. So I've obviously, I have a bias towards Billy Chow. We've talked about this. I think he's one of the best ever world kickboxing champion that then segued into films. And this fight sequence, which is choreographed by Yuen Wuping, uh, it's Jet Li versus Billy Chow. Uh, Fist of Legend, which is his remake of Bruce Lee's Fist of Fury, uh, Jing Wu Man. Uh, the fiction, well, it's a fictional story because Chen Zhen wasn't really a real person per se, but his master Huo Yunjia was, or Fuck Yun Gap. And so he's avenging his master, classic kung fu film elements. Uh, and it's contemporary fight, uh, it's a contemporary fight sequence. And I know for you, one of the slight qualms you have about it is there's a little bit of wire work. Yeah, I mean, okay, so yes, Jet Li uses wire work. Right. Uh, I don't have any qualms about this fight. I think the way I justify picking the Dick Wave fight over this fight was that we were saying no traditional fighting, although technically speaking, they are doing contemporary fight sequence. I, I had to come up with a way that <laughs> in my heart, I wanted the Jet Li Dick Wave fight on here because I love that fight. Right. But if, as I said before, if I were picking the Jet Li Billy Chow fight, it would be higher up the list. Yeah. And that, that hesitation I had between the Yun Biao, the, the, the writing wrongs and the, and uh, the dragon fight being five and six, if it were, if this were on my list, it'd be the other way around. And what you really get to see here is Jet Li is actually utilizing a like kickboxing style. Yes, he is. He's kind of bouncing up and down. He's got his hands up. Uh, and Billy Chow, although we don't get to see him 
use the same speed as we do in some of his other maybe Samuel Hung directed mm-hmm. roles. They really tried to have him be a power striker. So yeah. he's throwing big Muay Thai style uh, roundhouse kicks that are like swinging <laughs> for the fences. He's throwing big uh, push kicks and teeps and punches. But I love how he still maintains his real style, always has his hands up. He's parrying punches. Yep. You know, the slow motion shots, he's got his chin down, he's uh, tucked into his fists. And the fight scene goes on forever, and you never want it to stop. No, it's not it's, like, oh man, it's going on still. No, it's you're just so excited that it keeps going and going. There's so many cool, innovative little techniques that Ewan Wuping throws in there. The shoulder bump, like we got yes. to see Conor McGregor yep. use this year. Uh, we get to see a finger flick to the neck. Mm-hmm. We get to see uh, some beautiful, the wire work we do get to see, like the flipping kick and stuff. And the fact, the setting, where it's kind of in that traditional Japanese architecture, you really see why this was the film, and I'd imagine this fight scene in specific, that inspired the Wachowski siblings mm-hmm. to bring on Yuan Wuping as the choreographer for The Matrix. Yep. You can really see that Matrix style it's, it's, in this. It's, it's essentially the way the scenes are shot. They're, right. they're shot in the, the same way where we're, it, the view is, exact, is essentially the same, same... Uh, slightly lower center of gravity mm-hmm. shooting. It's just it's it's fantastic. And like you were saying, I think even in the U.S. version, and the U.S. version has a tend U.S. versions have a tendency to cut down fights. Right. The U.S. version doesn't do that with this. They knew to keep their hands off of it. And this is you 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 mentioned how they throw in almost everything. This is like a kitchen sink fight yes. sequence without the desperation. Right. It's like not like we're trying to we're trying to make it so we're just gonna throw everything, <laughs> yeah. which in many ways I'm just gonna throw it out there. That's Young Master. That's Jackie Chan's Young Master. Right. Everything's in that movie. Yep. This fight sequence has everything in there, but it's it's by design and it's so perfect. And like the Billy Chow's uh, upper body blocks. I think that's a, that's maybe some of the best upper body paw pairing and slipping that we've seen on film. Right. Uh, it's, it's, it's absolutely fantastic. Yeah. And I, I mean, we pretty much hit all the main elements. Uh, it, yeah. I mean, that's all I got to say about that. And it'll always go down as it's like my go-to. I can, it, I can put that on anytime and watch it and be entertained and not get bored of it. And I think we do get to see Billy Chow throw an axe kick. No, I know for a fact we do. And I'm trying to think, we don't really get to see him throw a whole lot of axe kicks. So yep. that is a unique thing, too. Yep. Uh, all right. So that's my number five. What is your number four, good sir? I think my number four is in your top three. And that is uh, our our two legends facing off against each other, uh, Bruce Lee versus uh, Chuck Norris. But all right. We're going we're gonna to touch that. Yes, soon we are. And so for me, though, my number four is Yes, Madam, the same fight sequence you had. So yeah. now we're going to finally talk about the finale of Yes, Madam. Uh, two one-on-one fight sequences going on at the same time. We have Cynthia Rothrock versus Dick Way. Mm-hmm. And once again, obviously, Gavin's had Dick Way as an antagonist, uh, but that's okay. Antagonists can pop up as much as they want. And then we have Michelle Yeoh versus Chung Fat, who I already had as an antagonist, but that's okay. So... The finale of Yes, Madam, overall, because it starts off with a group fight scene, mm-hmm. and then the it might, oh man, it, it oh it's easily it could be the best finale ever of Hong Kong contemporary yeah, it, cinema. If you if you if you throw it all together, if you, it, and we're not just talking about like these two simultaneous side by side one on ones, but if you throw together the group fight sequence, the stairs. Then you break off into the one-on-ones, and then you come back to some pretty amazing stunts down those stairs. 
uh, I think I think you might be onto something. Right. It's it's right up there. So what we're going to talk about specifically is after they've beat all the henchmen, the yeah. final two bosses. You have Dick Way, who's kind of the cooler, slicker, yeah. more believable guy. <laughs> then you have Chung Fat or Fat Chung, who is just balls to the wall crazy. They yeah. have him dressed in what looks like. Vietnam vet attire, a <laughs> giant. Yeah, I mean, it really makes no sense. If Billy Child's wearing like a Japanese, you mean Dick Way? Dick Way, yeah. yeah. Dick Way is wearing the Japanese like yes, uh, formal, high school yes. uniform, yep. and, and yeah, and uh, yeah. So Chung Fat is dressed in like uh, Vietnam vet attire. He's got a giant fake mustache. He's kind of got his little afro thing going on, and a headband. <laughs> also, kind of, of supposed to be like almost Vietnam vet looking. He has this <laughs> over the top villain maniacal laugh. <laughs> oh, really overacting whereas Dick Way is actually playing it very cool and so Dick Way is fighting Cynthia Rothrock Michelle Yeoh is fighting Chung Fat and you get just two incredible fight sequences for the price of one mm-hmm. uh, so speaking of Dick Way versus Cynthia Rothrock you have two real life martial artists and by real life martial artists I mean their their background I guess would be kind of what you would more call traditional traditional real martial arts and so by that I mean they they didn't go to opera school right so Dick Wei's background it was Taekwondo he was in the Taiwanese army mm-hmm. uh, so he's from Taiwan obviously uh, and then Cindy Rothrock's background is traditional wushu and tongsudo uh, the Korean kicking and, system and as she well. was in the Pennsylvania National Guard that, was no, she no, 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 I'm just oh kidding. my god I was like what <laughs> but uh, so you have kind of the two more uh, actual Practical, quote-unquote. Yeah. I mean, Wushu is still a performance art, but she also had the Tongsudo background. Yeah. So you have these two uh, Korean-based martial artists, pretty mm-hmm. much, going toe-to-toe. You have just hard-hitting, brutal choreography. You have a groin shot. You have a... Uh, you have a double groin shot. Well, that's what I was trying to think of the okay. polite way to say it. So, oh. yes, you have a male groin shot and a female groin shot. And and the, and the what's, what's great about... So, again, you're talking about Dick Way's character being cool. And I know we're trying to talk about the fight sequences, but there, we always have to look at the the acting element or the story element. And Dick Way apologizes immediately. Yes, because he's he is the cooler, more calm uh, traditional martial artist who just wants a really good opponent. And that's probably why I took this job. I will fight. <laughs> I want to fight people. You hire me. I will fight them, but I'll fight them with honor. Right. And he wasn't expecting to fight females, probably. That is either. true. Yes. And so, what what Gavin's referring to is. Uh, Dick Way first hits Cynthia Rothrock in the crotch, and then while she's down in pain, he apologizes, and then she hits him in the crotch. Yes. Uh, and also in the sequence, we get what will be the first time Cynthia Rothrock uses what will become her trademark kick, her scorpion yeah. kick. Yeah. And the nice part about this one is you get it in slow motion, and they show it at an angle where, so in reference, Dick Way has her down in some sort of headlock. She's bent over. He's got her head like in his armpit, uh, so it'd be almost like a uh, uh, guillotine choke, mm-hmm. like a standing guillotine choke. And in defense, she kind of grabs onto his hips, brings her kick up from behind like a scorpion, and whacks him in the head. The difference is she'd use this a lot in her Western movies, but they'd either film it at an angle or cut away at the last second because you can't really kick an American stuntman full force in the face. Yeah. Luckily, in Hong Kong, you can do that. You can do that, and you can put some baby powder in the shoe and in yes. the hair, and it, it and you can Thank you, feel it. Thank you, Jackie Chan, my stunts. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, I mean, and it's it's shot from the side, so right. you see it. And, uh, like, I think, like, martial law, too, undercover, 
uh, they shoot when she does that kick. They shoot it slightly tilted, so you see the stuntman's hair taking it. You don't see it's. You don't see that actual impact because right. everyone's everyone was too scared of the scorpion kick. Yeah, and uh, then on the other side we have Michelle Yeoh versus Chung Fat, and so what you have is Michelle Yeoh who had a dancing background, very athletic, and who took her training very serious when she went into Hong Kong cinema. This was her first action role. Before this, she had been featured in, obviously, Twinkle Twinkle Lucky Stars, uh, in which she played the judo instructor. Oh, wait, Twinkle Twinkle Lucky Stars was... Maybe Twinkle Twinkle Lucky Stars was actually afterwards. Wasn't that 86? Because this was 85. So either which way, uh, the only... uh, The role she definitely had before this was in uh, The Owl... Was it The Owl versus uh, Dumbo? Yes. Yeah. And where she plays a school teacher. She's not doing any action. So when it was time for her to segue into this action role, she was training hardcore. Like rumor has it six to eight hours a day, blah, blah. And her dance background, she pulled it off. And obviously she was one of Gavin's top 10 kickers of all time for yeah. Hong Kong cinema. And it shows here. And then you have Chung Fat, who was part of that background I was referencing before. He went to an opera school. Uh, he went to the rival opera school to where Jackie and Samo went and stuff. He went to the one with like Hoi Mung and... Uh, Lee Hoi San, I think, also went there. Either which way, uh, and their fight sequence is just as equally raw and brutal. And the sound effects, I love the sound effects when she pulls out the two by four and they're hitting each other and they're (laughs) on the piano. And uh, Chung Fat has a knife and they're flying around. And it's just the intensity also. So we have have Chung Fat who's like over the top maniacal laughing, but you see Michelle Yeoh's face, especially when she takes out that two by four at the end to start whacking him. Like the look on her face is like, damn, she wants to kill this fool. In, uh, so what's funny is like as as we were talking about the Dick Way Cynthia Rothrock fight before we moved over to Michelle Yeoh and Chun Fat, we could have said, but wait, there's more yeah. because that's what's great about this double one-on-one fight sequence that we experience. Any one of these sequence, you could pull either of these out mm-hmm. and cap it on to the end of a film, and it would have been a fantastic fight scene, stand standalone fight scene possibly could have made the top 10 list you throw them both together and that goes to what you're talking about one of the, being one of the best final yeah. fights and that's why it made my number four uh it, it's just it just stands out and i've always felt that the actual set design of that final sequence mm-hmm. was the inspiration for the restaurant at the end of Kill Bill, Volume One. Oh, you're absolutely right. Right? Is it, that it, is that yeah. just me, or no, when I be. saw Kill Bill? So Kill Bill came out in 2003, I think. Something I had like already that. seen Yes, Madam. I was lucky enough once again a Chinatown DVD. I picked up around 2001. So a couple years I'd already seen it before Kill Bill came out. And the first thing I thought was, oh, he's you know he got this from Yes, Madam. It wasn't even a question to me. Yeah. But I've never really heard anybody mention that. So it'd be interesting what you guys think if anybody wants to. Uh, let us know on Instagram. Yeah. At us. Yeah. <laughs> uh, any other final thoughts? I, I guess uh, one, one only final thought I have about this fight is just how well Cynthia Rothrock and Dick Way, particularly Cynthia Rothrock, stays in the box. And yes. we talked about this the last time, how she just, she stays there. And I, I like, naturally speaking, when, when there's a fighter that close to you, or even in choreography, you'll see people start to like move back and shy away. Or in real life, of course. I mean, this isn't real life. This is choreographed. But in real life, you're gonna want to get out of there. And 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 when you're choreographing for someone for her first film, yeah, in her first film, 
you might think that she might get a little afraid of what's happening and she might you you could probably see the lack of confidence or her dip away a little bit she does not she stands right in that pocket yep agreed fantastic analysis okay so that was my number four we've made the top three we have made it made it to the top three all right so what's your number three my number three is i think the best the the pinnacle of this era uh, and that's basically Sammo Hung versus Billy Chow, pedicab driver, final fight sequence. Excellent. And so that was my number six. Yeah. So now we both get to talk about it. And real quick, I could have easily put this as my number one. Uh, the r- only reason it's number six, and I brought this up last time we recorded, is, is it, it was just too short for me in the sense of I, I wanted this fight scene longer. I wanted a little more story arc when it came to the fight. But as an actual fight and the choreography and the way it's shot and the way it's filmed – it might be the best ever. And it's just a thing of beauty to behold. This is this is definitely one of those fight scenes where when it ends, it's like, no more, please. But again, we keep saying, as we discussed last time, and I know everyone's going to want us to release the... Okay, the original. <laughs> yeah, the original. Uh, Maybe when we make a Patreon yeah. page. Oh, yeah. you guys are going to get some really good benefits like uh, a Zoom, Zoom, uh, two-hour Zooms. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, what I liked about the fact that this was short is um, script-wise and also within the fight, it had to be short. Yes. It had to be short. Yes. And, you know, Sam, the, the, the atrocious things that Billy Chow and his boss have done uh, to this to this town is it's atrocious yes and Samo is on is is as vengeful as he's ever been on film he is giving out as hard a hits as he's ever given out like the the moment before he fights Billy Child the kick that he does with, yes. the, with the tip of his foot right to the sternum e- of I, Eddie Mayer of Eddie yeah I, you just feel that uh but then when he faces Billy Chow, like you've mentioned this the last time, Billy Chow unleashes everything. And despite Samo's prowess in this film and in general, you actually believe that Billy Chow could win. And if this became a drag out fight, it would maybe be, fall into the unrealistic realm of Samo winning. Agreed. He had to end it. Yeah, because as, as great of a fighter as Samo's character is, you see Billy Chow is just a step above a slick, real trained fighter. Uh, I want to say as a quick note, greatest teep kick or push kick ever on film. Yes, he slams uh, Samuel into yeah. that wall. And it's it, it, what, for viewers that may not know, this is typically using what, for in Muay Thai, either your lead leg or rear leg to push an opponent back. And so it's not a, a special kick by any means. In fact, it's one of the most basic ones people can naturally do. But he just hits him so hard with it. And it's also probably the best version of like a double or is it maybe triple Muay Thai roundhouse kick where he's throwing them at Samo rapid fire and yeah. they're hitting so hard you think, can see it. I think it's it. a triple. I think it's yeah. a triple. And the thing I love about this fight scene, we have static shots where the camera doesn't move. We have traveling shots where it's on a track and it's moving. We have longer extended shots. We have some of the fastest rapid fire editing, which is actually also another reason why it wasn't farther up on my list because mm-hmm. if you've never watched a Hong Kong fight scene before, this might be a little much for you to handle because of these moments where it's done brilliantly. It's not a cheap cop-out like other people have done, but the cutting is so fast. Uh, 
it would be hard. If you looked away for a second, you'd miss so much beautiful choreography packed in like a fraction of a second. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, uh, like we had talked about, like showing this one to friends who are watching it for the first time. And it's like, you, you want to hold their neck and make sure they <laughs> don't turn away. And like, did you blink? Don't blink. Uh, you, you're going to miss it. Like it's one of those sequences where they just can't look away. And you're right. It, it's, it's, this is, it's like, if you're the, the, to get this sequence, anyone can get this sequence, but this is one of the most rewatchable sequences because as you learn this genre and as you learn fight sequences, you see that it gets better each time you view it. it it's one that as you have a more experienced eye, it becomes even more enjoyable. Uh, like there are other films like that you you see that the first time you watch it, like, damn, how do you do that? Then you watch it the second time, like, oh, that, that was editing. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and th this one, you make a very valid point about how it couldn't be longer because if it was, Billy Chow would have won. And that's why I love the ending too is Sammo is losing the fight and he's like, all right, how how can I beat this guy? And it's a matter of, he's like, all right, I, I can't outskill him. I have to outthink him. And that's what he does. He times a counter move perfectly, lands it, then uses his greatest arsenal to finish him, his <laughs> own body weight with a spectacular finish I don't want to spoil. But it it makes sense. Like, it, And it's not a lucky shot per se. It's like watching, whether it be a kickboxing match or even MMA match, one guy may be outstriking the other, but the other guy waits, waits, and counter times, for example, like a jab over with an overhand right, and then maybe finishes him with a left hook after that, boom. And it's not a lucky shot. It's just brilliant timing. And sometimes that's your only choice. You're like, oh, crap, I, I can't outstrike this guy. I have to finish him. And that's how they finish that fight, and you believe it, and that's why it couldn't be any longer as selfishly as I wanted it to be. You know, this this is a film that is a must-see. If you haven't seen it, You, I mean, I know we said that about Magic Crystal, and you can say that about all these films on here, but this is this is a real gem. This is an actual well-made movie. This, yeah, this, <laughs> this is a real gem. And, I mean, even, even the... The middle fight sequence in the gambling house after mm -hmm. the pedicabs slams through. Mm -hmm. The the final line that the the two fighters offer each other. Um, this is the first time I've ever I've ever been afraid of a fighter. Right. And then Samuel replies, "This is the first time I've ever lost a fight." Right. The humility. Yeah. Excuse me. Like humbleness. Sorry. Yeah. And the that actually kind of feeds to this final fight because you could see in this final fight, even though Samo has never been scared of a fighter before, he's now kind of scared of Billy Child, like the way he, you know, instead of putting his hand out, he like calls Billy Child right. to come to him. Uh, so I mean, there's there 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 are elements within each fight that build to the final fight, and it's it's as if every every strike thrown is is guided by the script yes very well put uh amazing and another interesting quick side note it is entirely shot and set in macau oh, really? which yeah. yeah well i mean they might have done some studio stuff in hong kong but uh you don't get a whole lot of films you know set in macau i mean there's a decent amount typically though your hong kong picture is shot in hong kong and macau yeah. is such a cool beautiful place did you ever make it to macau I did not. Yeah, well, because you were just a kid when you spent yeah, your time know, in Hong Kong, too. So Macau is wonderful. What I always uh, equate it to is it's got a little... Uh, the architecture of Macau is very European from the fact that it was a Portuguese, Portuguese colony. Yeah. And it's a much kind of quieter version of Hong Kong, in a sense. You can find 
a lot of peace and calm there. Uh, but as I always tell people, if you were to go on holiday in Hong Kong, you could be there for two weeks and still have stuff to do. Macau, not as much. There's casinos, uh, and then there's some amazing spots to go check out. But either which way, it's a cool, unique uh, part of the mise-en-scene of that film. So I will say that uh, Robert Mitchum didn't have a peaceful time there in the movie Macau. There we go. Uh, and uh, Chuck Norris either in Force Vengeance. Oh, yes, that's yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so that was your number three. Now, and your number three right. overlaps with your number four. Your number four. Yeah. No, 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 no. You're you're mistaken. My number three is my number two. Your number two. Okay. So we can technically talk about this together right now. Then I think we can. Yeah. So my number three and Gavin's number two is part of what I call the three most important fight scenes for one-on-one choreography evolution. This would be the second one, and that is. Benny the Jet Urquidez versus Jackie Chan in Wheels on Meals, the Western soundtrack yes. dub slash Japan soundtrack dub, a.k.a. the Spartan X soundtrack. Spartan X, get it. Yeah, That's so, the one. Yeah, so this is pretty much is a real quick side note. This is probably the greatest example of a soundtrack making or breaking a film and fight scene. And the I didn't see the original Hong Kong version until I was an adult. Ooh. Yeah, I saw. I had this on VHS as a kid in junior high. One of the first ones I ordered from Tai Sang Video. And what we have in that version, the Spartan X soundtrack, is this amazing rock soundtrack that sets the pace for the fights, including the final fight sequence. In the original Hong Kong version, you have a much slower traditional Chinese music uh, musical score that just doesn't fit the fight scene. the The Western one is like the popular trend at that time: the Rocky movies. You know, you had a rock upbeat set yeah. the tempo the other the original hong kong version almost slows the fight scene down somehow it so it, it starts off with the opening sequence like when the you, it, it the the movie opens with with a sunrise you hear a rooster go off and then it goes dun, 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 dun. and if it doesn't start okay yeah obviously yeah. We're, we're trying our best but if it if it doesn't have that stop the movie eject it and wait because this the soundtrack makes a difference i think it was actually the japanese uh a japanese score and so, real quick side note i think it's eureka films just re-released it on blu-ray and they have every version of it available on there. Eureka or 88? 88. 88. It's, it's one of the two. Yeah, so 88 just released it. Unfortunately, it's not U.S. region coded yet. Yeah. Uh, so I've been waiting to order it. I, I may just get an international player because I don't want to miss out getting it because they have every version of it apparently yeah. on there, which is awesome because I love the original English dub too. Now, and real quick side note, Fortune Star did a new English dub in the early 2000s, but with the original Chinese musical uh, score oh, so wow. don't be fooled by that one for example that's the one that's on prime video right now you you yeah. have to watch the original 80s yeah. it's it's tough it's it's annoying but uh, but one let's jump into this yes fight let's sequence. talk about the actual fight sequence yeah um so it's 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 uh i i kind of break the fight sequence down into two parts because th- there's the opening where samuel's there and he leaves and at that point, both both uh, both Benny the Jet and uh, Jackie Chan are fully clothed, and when I say that, I mean they're Benny the Jet is still wearing a suit. Jackie Chan, I think, is still like, does, is he in the jumpsuit the whole time, or does he have something on top? I forget. But it's he 
he takes something off and slams it down the ground. And goes, ah, da, da, da. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I'm trying to think. Oh, it's his sweater. Yeah, and that's that's after yeah. that's after they do that like fantastic like they're both on the ground flipping out uh, flipping out. Right. I think, what, what is that? Uh, what is that move called? Where like he, a backspring almost? Yeah, yeah. He basically does a yeah. backspring and like they're both kind of right. Yes, you're right. Yeah, yeah. And then from there, I think it cuts over to you, you and Biao and uh, Keith Vitale. Then it cuts back to Jackie Chan and uh, Benny the Jet fighting against the long dinner table, which includes one of the kind of fantastic kicks of all time in cinema. Unless he actually didn't put out those candles. I, I don't know. I think the kick kind of blows. Oh, you did? Oh. Uh, yeah. So in other words, he blows out the candles with yeah. his kick. Yeah, and it's and, and then then from there, uh, you know, Jackie's being backed into the table. Uh, Benny the Jet is like unleashing some punches, uh, shoots out a great kick, puts out a, a whole row of candles, probably I think about six or eight candles. Then it cuts to I think Samo like facing off with the with the with the Spaniard the Prince, and then it comes back. Who's yeah. obviously doubled by UNBL. Yes. Then it comes back to uh, just the meat of the fight. Uh, but the two sequences that happened before are just phenomenal. Uh, they just, just that alone is just enough to tease you that if, if I'm talking about the meat of the fight, then that, that's the appetizer. And uh, I'll, I'll, at this point, I'm going to yield the floor to you to talk a little bit about this. Sure. And so when it comes to the choreography of it, as I said, this is going to be number two in the evolution of the one-on-one fight choreography. Uh, we have the Hong Kong 80s kickboxing style. Obviously, you bring, at that time, probably what I would call the greatest international kickboxer at that point, uh, Benny the Jet or Kides, fighting all over the world, specifically Japan, Hong Kong, U.S., uh, beating champs from all over, a pioneer in American uh, full-contact kickboxing and he doesn't sacrifice his form at all. No. They 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 choreograph around him, which just shows the brilliance of Samuel Hung. You everything he's throwing in that fight, you can see Benny throw in his actual fights. Yeah. And hands up, crisp, clean, boxing, uh, torquing of the body, rotation, power in the kicks. And the thing I like is Jackie's character is believable in his ability to not only keep up but eventually win but it's a difference in jackie's character is obviously not necessarily as skilled as benny's character but his athleticism Mm -hmm. is what leads him to victory he's able to just dig deep and use uh his athletic abilities but also jackie himself utilizes some real boxing and kickboxing type movement that wasn't part of benny's style for example uh, Jackie at one point is using the low front hand like upwards jab like we yeah. work with Petey a yeah. lot, right? Which wasn't uh, a, a thing Benny would do. But he's doing that feints in and out head movement and obviously Jackie's speed keeps up with uh, with Benny's yeah. for sure. And it, the story arc of the fight is great. How they start off equal and then Benny starts to win and then Jackie has to dig deep. We get the music, yeah. treat it like a training session yeah. and then he starts using that uh athletic trickery almost yeah to it, eventually win and it, it and and that once once he you know once he's like realizes he's defeated as where he if he does not change his strategy the jackie chan protagonist character and he's like sitting behind the chair and he's like self-monologue treated like a training seminar and the music starts it's the music and the rhythm of jackie's movement all you just 
I, I, I knew a lot of films have done this before. I'd like, we can, we can talk about like film history. I think, uh, uh, one thing Kurosawa did, he was one of the first people who would put happy music over a sad sequence to make it, you feel even more sad. Yeah. So what this music does all of a sudden, as it was introduced very early in the film and then comes back right at this moment, you start to believe because despite his athleticism, you can see that this fight will not turn out in Jackie's favor. Right. Despite it being what I would consider like a popcorn fun movie. And I mean that with all due respect because I love popcorn movies. And this moment where he takes this pause and treat it like a training session. And then he, all right, another round. Then they start going and the music's going. You start to believe it in the story arc. Yep. Now, now you talk about how this is one of the three films that the three fight sequences and the evolution of fight one, choreography. One on one fight choreography. How, how can you talk a little bit more about that specifically? Yeah. So, uh, pretty much the first one which we'll talk about next is what really set the standard for one-on-one fight sequences to uh people battling each other that are almost equally trained how to choreograph it how to pace it how to make it believable how to segue out of this kind of chop socky rough aesthetic so that was number one what this one did was this one created the kickboxing choreography that would follow suit in Hong Kong, eventually in the States, it's having two well-trained fighters who look believable on screen, hands up, using real technique. You, you don't think, oh, this is sloppy. It's not sloppy. It's clean. So this, the, whereas the first one was just laying the foundation for one-on-one fight scenes, this is what set, this was the final evolution of striking. Yeah kickboxing and striking this is where it reached its pinnacle all right and you think where can it go from here and we will eventually discuss where it will go from there but that's what i mean by that the first movie set up just how you make a one-on-one fight scene this one perfected the striking aspect of it yeah should should we start to talk about that first one which is your number two sure so now let's segue uh, into my uh number two just a moment, please. Uh, I am just going to send a text message real do you quick. Do you want to pause and I'll... Uh, nope, it's okay. Okay, I was going to say because then I'll use the... Oh, do you need to use the restroom? Yes. All right, we're going to pause real quick. Okay, and we're back. I apologize about that. My amazing, wonderful girlfriend, Jessica, has been letting us record and she's just been wandering around the beach and is kind of like, when can I come back? And then uh, we both had to use the bathroom because we're men over 30 and... It happens. Uh, anyways, so my number two entry, which was your which number entry? Uh, my number 10. Okay. No, no number four. <laughs> number four. Uh, so is the first fight sequence the most, the one that laid the foundation? And this is personal bias on my part because this individual is one of my greatest inspirations. But that would be Bruce Lee versus Chuck Norris in Way of the Dragon. And this is the first time we ever had true one-on-one Mm-hmm. real amazing fight choreography where you have two believable martial artists. You have world karate champion Chuck Norris with his extensive high-ranking background in Tong Sudo and at that time Judo and then years later he would experiment with a lot. You have Bruce Lee, one of the pioneers of martial arts and fitness training in the 20th century and Bruce set up this fight sequence that everyone likes to talk about. It's like two gladiators in the Roman Coliseum. Well, yeah, they're yeah. in the Roman Coliseum quote-unquote. But more importantly than that, this is where we first get 
the, like what would be the first element of kickboxing in Hong yep. Kong cinema. And at that time, so obviously Muay Thai has been around for a long time. And at this point in 1972, you would have had obviously Muay Thai competitions in Thailand, French Sabat in uh, Europe, kickboxing in Japan I th- was just going to be starting, as was kickboxing in America. People forget mm-hmm. actually started in, uh, I believe it's 1970. And that was the first time what would be uh, full contact kickboxing started where it was actually like international rules, low kicks, everything went. It fell out of favor because it just people, it just wasn't popular. They'd bring it back in the mid seventies, what was known as PKA or American kickboxing. And it would go from there. But at this point, this was the first fight sequence where we saw this style of choreography and Bruce implemented a lot of that boxing uh, work that was so important to his Jeet Kune Do philosophy. And we see Bruce moving around like a boxer, especially once he starts to lose to Chuck Norris. We have the story arc of the fight scene, which is, mm-hmm. I feel like, something this one was the first one to really lay the foundation for, right? Yeah. And at that point, Bruce has to adapt. He has to change his style to beat this stronger, bigger opponent. And we have Chuck Norris's brilliant, beautiful kicks, but he's using more of a karate upper body style. And when he tries to emulate Bruce's bouncing around, when he starts losing, you could tell it looks almost a little forced. But Bruce himself, he's bouncing around, uh, upwards jabs, jabs to the body. He's using that Ali style that was very influential for him as a martial artist. Uh, I mean, I feel like a, most people must know now, it's been mentioned in so many documentaries, he had a ton of old school boxing footage that he'd watch. And he'd famously watch Ali uh, in reverse because Bruce would fight Ooh. Southpaw. And, you know, obviously uh, Ali fought orthodox. But there was a lot of boxers he was influenced by. uh, Muhammad Ali, Willie Pep, uh, Sammy Sadler. Like, so these are guys that we know because people have talked about watching these fights with Bruce. And here, though, you really see that Ali style. He uses that kickboxing. He uses his brilliant kicking uh, that would probably be uh, attributed to the Korean style that he trained with, with Chuck, with Jun Ri, the father of American Taekwondo. You also see his trapping, his Wing Chun technique in there. Mm -hmm. We have some of the first use of quick, rapid cuts, Mm -hmm. close-ups, changing the frame, slow motion. Uh, You know, those quick cuts at the end when he breaks Chuck Norris's like knee and then his arm. Uh, The point of view shot, which isn't necessarily something that's used a ton, but uh, it's one of the first times I can remember seeing it. And yeah, I mean, it's just without this fight scene, we would not have any of these other ones we're talking about. I mean, and it, it's it's almost safe to say that without Bruce Lee, I don't know if we would be doing martial arts today. Yeah. So it's a, everything, every, so much comes from uh, this gentleman. So much, uh, he was so far ahead of his time. And this fight sequence happening in 1972, like predates like the next film that either of us can come up with on the list is 1977. What, what's up? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, the the series <laughs> yeah, yeah. one afterwards. I was like, hey, 72. Yeah, what, what are you what, talking what, about? What's up? Is this podcast? Right? Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. You're right. You're right. Yeah. So, uh, well, uh, 1978, Eight, I think right. would be. Yeah. yeah. So is it, you're talking about like a six year gap. I mean, of course, nobody even got close. <laughs> I know. It, it's it's uh, so this sequence taking place when it did is so far ahead of its time and. I would say, I would argue, even to this day, like, even if you go to, like, professional wrestling, air quote, over here, I, I, I don't know I said air quote, I don't mean to be disrespectful, they're still following this format that he set forth. Yep. Uh, uh, what I also love about this film is it is, it is 
clearly a martial arts film from Hong Kong set in Rome. I'm doing air quotes again. <laughs> but shot in many ways like a John Ford Western. Yeah. Wow. And so you have like this this like juxtaposition of I think what what Bruce Lee was trying to do in his innovative way, and this is just me projecting a little bit, was how to make this sequence as digestible around the world as possible. That That's not a, a reach at all, because for our, our listeners that don't know, Bruce directed this film. Yeah. It was his directorial debut, but he specifically brought over, and I unfortunately can't remember the gentleman's name, uh, Japanese cinematographer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, to do the cinematography for the film because he wanted that international feel. Now, that being said, uh, Bruce didn't really have the intention of Western audiences seeing his early Hong Kong entries. Mm -hmm. In fact, he kind of hoped they wouldn't, but <laughs> this would be like his testing ground yeah. to develop that style. So you're 100% correct. He was trying to create uh, uh, a unique style of his own, an aesthetic where it could be digestible for everyone. Yeah. And I, I totally agree with you in that sense of like a John Ford Western, right? Well, in many ways, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about with, um, with the Yugari Oshima, the Frankie Chan fight sequence. It's a warehouse. The audience is now comfortable because we now it's, it's like they, they expect this fight sequence to happen. So the way it was shot, it's innovative because of what the way, what it's shooting because the subject matter, but it's also letting the audience get comfortable to anticipate something really epic it's uh it's like john wayne versus whoever however many people he shot it or charles bronson versus henry fonda at the end of once upon a time in the west it is shot with that with that style in mind with that framework in mind which i think helps set this apart and then also kind of creates a different type of camera work uh that was at some time slightly lower uh, but wider, so you actually get some. Uh, you get you actually get to capture the kickboxing aspect of the fight sequences because the way things were shot in the past, before that, and even after that, uh, you can't necessarily capture capture how things are thrown. Right. I mean, you do it with you mentioned it with the Cynthia Rothrock with the scorpion kick, and you also did a great uh, mentioned it with the pedicab driver sequence where it's just going alongside. Mm -hmm. So it it's he he took on classic filmmaking tactics to introduce a brand new style of filmmaking. Bruce was a student of everything he was a teacher of per se, right? He was a student of martial arts in the sense that he was always studying the best. He was a student of fitness in that he was always reading articles and learning more. He was a student of film where he would analyze these kind of things. And uh, the greatest form of flattery is repetition, right? Or Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but and it must be said that uh, another fight sequence which could have made this list for me and the first testing ground for Bruce doing this would have been in Fist of Fury with his fight scene with Robert Baker, mm -hmm. where uh, also a brilliant fight, a lot of these same elements... And the, the Robert Baker fight actually had a little bit of grappling in there, too, mm -hmm. an arm bar and stuff. Uh, and obviously, even though Bruce isn't listed as the choreographer for that film, he was the choreographer for yeah. that film. Uh, so just a shout out to that fight sequence. But, yeah, I think you, you made some amazing points on the technical aspects of it. And really, just once again, to reiterate, without this fight scene, we don't have any of these other ones or the wonderful fight scenes we have today. It, I, I don't see how how film evolves, how martial art gets introduced without this fight scene. Agreed. And I'm not saying that, the, the, 
uh, obviously Bruce Lee did so much more after this, but this fight scene is the is the introductory point. Yes. And so now we are moving on to our number one. And uh, are we are we ready to talk about Prince, so, of the, Prince of the Sun? Prince of the Sun. Yes, we're talking about Prince of the Fun, Sun. Uh, Conan Lee versus. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, our number one, first time ever, we get the same number one. So whereas Way of the Dragon was the first of the evolution, how mm-hmm. to shoot a one-on-one fight scene. Number two was Wheels on Meals, Benny the Jet versus Jackie Chan, in which we get to see. Uh, the kickboxing, so striking, reaches its pinnacle. What we have here is the final film in the sense of this is the best shot, what you might call MMA choreography, mixed martial arts choreography, striking, grappling, takedowns, the greatest fight scene ever shot, in my opinion, in Gavin's opinion as well. I will let you introduce it, my friend. Well, thank you very much for this honor. It is, of course... uh Donnie Yen versus Colin Cho in Flashpoint. That is correct. The so, final fight. The final fight sequence. Uh, so some of our listeners, okay, uh, most mainstream viewers will know Donnie Yen simply now because of the IP Man movies, as they like to call them, the Yip Man movies, the highly fictionalized biographical, if you can even call them that, Yip Man films uh, directed by Wilson Yip and starring Donnie Yen. Uh, but the first two films they did together were modern, contemporary, kind of gritty cop films. The first one they did was uh, Cantonese title, Sat Po Long, or Sha Po Long in Mandarin. Uh, Kill Zone was the English title, real hokey. But it's hard to translate what that uh, yeah. the Chinese title because it's actual like uh, astrology uh, yeah, they, 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 constellation the other, of stars or yeah, something. It wasn't the, the other alternate U.S. title, SPL. Yeah, because of yeah. Uh, Sat Po Long. Yeah. Yeah. And so... Uh, that was the first film. And Donnie had been experimenting with, quote-unquote, MMA choreography since the beginning of his career. You saw mm-hmm. it with his fights with Michael Woods in The Line yep. of Duty 4 and Tiger Cage 2. You saw it with his three films he directed in the mid to late 90s, uh, Legend of the Wolf, Shanghai Affairs. Thing. It was the other one. And then he also did... Uh, the bullet had bullet in the title. I'm drawing a blank right now. Either which way, he'd been experimenting with this kind of MMA style choreography forever, but SPL was the first one where he really got to do what would be quote unquote like the sport of MMA. By mm-hmm. this point, uh, you know, you're looking at like 2006 or so, and the UFC has made the mainstream now. Yep. And then so by the time this one came out, which I believe was 2008, uh, he had perfected it. And this final fight sequence. Certain elements we love about it, it's long as hell. And yep. you never want it to end. It has that great story arc. And choreography-wise, it's just brilliant. It's so hard-hitting. Both guys look like they know what they're doing for reals. Donnie Yen uh, puts a lot into his training. You know this. Unfortunately, there's a lot of false information online about like his true background and him having like 10th-degree black belts and this and that. Either which way, he's an extremely athletic, talented martial artist that put a lot of time into learning the technique so he could choreograph them. And at the same time, though, he makes it cinematic enough to make it entertaining and flow. So the grappling looks real. And, and of course, oh, in real life, it wouldn't flow like that. Well, he's got to make it look good for the camera because most quote-unquote MMA fight films are terrible. They're horrific. They're bad. The choreography is bad. They're slow. It doesn't look good because it's really hard to make it look good if you're trying to make it 100% realistic. So you have to sacrifice some realism 
for entertainment value, and he does that balance perfectly. Yeah, I think that's one of his. Uh, that's one of the uh, one of his true talents is finding that that uh, that understanding of authenticity where the where the martial art truly is, and then putting putting the putting show business in it. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that because this is what we want to see. So I understand that like oh. You know, pe- people want something more realistic, but then maybe don't go see films. Go watch documentaries or watch watch the sporting events. Yeah. But rarely do you see uh, people who have trained at this level uh, come together. And it's not just the people who are training that are in front of the camera, but it's the, the choreographic training, the camera work, the editing. I mean, just this is this is uh, there's so much in this fight to take apart. It's, and I, I think one thing that makes it entertaining is, if I'm not mistaken, we discussed this a little bit the last time, Donnie Yen's character might be doing a little more of the grappling, whereas the Colin, Colin Chu's character is doing a little more like throwing in judo. No. You're on to something there. So I, I will segue in this part. So when it comes to like the kickboxing aspect, right? Yeah. They're pretty equally matched. But Colin Cho is almost getting the upper hand and he's almost utilizing kind of more of a Muay Thai style in the sense of a little more elbows mm-hmm. and elbow defense and elbow strike. And at first, uh, Donnie Yen is utilizing a lot of BJJ, right? Brazilian yeah. Jiu Jitsu. But Colin Cho seems to be able to outmaneuver a lot of yeah. it. Colin doesn't really do any grappling in the fight. No. Uh, so then at like the story arc point where Donnie's losing, in, in my analysis of Penny and it's like that's the point where he's like all right I got to change what I'm doing so obviously there's still gonna be kickboxing but as far as striking goes uh Donnie starts utilizing a little more like western boxing type techniques you know uh jabs left hooks blah 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 and then he starts utilizing more judo at that point right because and that's when he starts taking him down and slamming him a a lot of leg sweeps a lot of grabbing him and then once he gains the upper hand then he starts bringing back in his kicks and that's kind of why I like that. All right, I've got to be able to beat this guy. I'm a better grappler than him, but he seems to have a good defense for my ground fighting and my BJJ. So uh, how, do I, how do I get exactly. to that point? We're almost equal strikers. In fact, I feel I'm a better kicker, but he seems to be able to outtime me and defend my stuff. All right, I got to use my hands more, Western boxing. And hard hitting and brutal, the, the shots, they do a lot of up close where they're hitting each other for real. Uh, obviously, maybe slight pad work, slight camera trickery, but damn, there, there can't be. I there, mean, there can't it, be that. There's, much. Only, there's only so much padding right. in the world. Yeah, exactly. Only, and they're wearing. Uh, they start off with jackets, then switch to short sleeves. Of course. So, uh, and the intensity and the anger. Once again, they're selling it. The performances by both of them are brilliant. They hate each other. These two characters. We have a a cop that's been pushed to the edge, and a psychotic gangster who's also now lost both his brothers and his and his mother well his mother is she's got, he's, she's, he's lost walking her other yeah ones, she's yeah. lost yeah and so they want to kill each other you see the anger in both of them you see the fear in both of them as they are winning then losing then losing then winning it's just a brilliant performance from them physically a bil- brilliant performance in their acting it's shot incredibly well and i just don't 
I mean, there could be another MMA-style fight like this shot just as well. It's just nobody's done it yet. Not even Donnie's been able to replicate it because when no, he did tried. Special Identity a few years later, I was living in China at that time. We were so excited. I remember going to the theater to see it, and whoever cut that trailer, brilliant job because yep. the movie was nowhere near as good as the trailer. Uh, in fact, far from it. And I remember from the opening shot, seeing it in the theater, I just had this, my smile went, and I was like, oh, man, something's wrong with this movie. Yeah. I just had it bad. And in retrospect, rewatching it, uh, the restaurant fight scene of uh, Special Identity is is pretty solid and good. It is. And the ending fight is very good. It's just that balance between striking and grappling that he did brilliantly in Flashpoint, He they missed out on in Special Identity a few years later. Uh, you we needed more striking so there there was nothing wrong with the the fights per se in special identity in fact i would call them great but the overall movie was terrible unlike this movie and they fell very short of the fight scenes of flashpoint uh, absolutely and I, I don't know it's again as we talk about this film and each time we talk about it um it makes me think what brings out the best performance in these in these actors they're i don't know if they shot the movie in sequence, I would doubt that they shot the movie on the first this the spy sequence on the first day of the film, because the way the sh- the way the film was written, the way uh, the actors perform, I feel like that automatically lends itself to wanting the actors to be fully invested and the performers and the crew to be fully invested in in honoring the storyline yep and i and then the threads to the i mean they're 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 the story the fight the arc within the fight sequence is phenomenal and then they're like these threads that go throughout the film and and like i love the closing moment of this film not the closing moment but the closing moment of this fight sequence yes as don yen is looking up at, can we do a, can we do a spoiler yeah. Okay. When he's choking, when he's choking Colin Chow up. Yeah. And he's looking up, and he sees the sunlight through the through the glass bottles, and he hears them ringing, and he dis, and he opts to release them. Ah! Oh, he like does the yeah. scream, and then you're like, "What's gonna happen?" I thought you were trying to like yell over my spoiler. Oh no! No! Then, no! He, <laughs> then he just releases him, and I mean that was something that he had an issue with earlier on. He was going too hard. Right. Going too hard, and then he's like finally is doing justice by releasing him and arresting him. Yeah. And the, the thing is, uh, we we have a brilliant new trend of choreography in the films of 87-11 that I love. Yep. But no one has been able to capture the Hong Kong MMA style that this, Donnie created here yeah. and redo that. Because uh, it's really hard because you either need real fighters which don't always segue to the screen. In fact, most often nowadays I'd say don't because a lot of times they don't have that traditional martial arts background. Uh, Or you have to have Hong Kong martial arts actors that a lot of times, unfortunately, fall short when it comes to doing like authentic fighting style choreography. So it'll it'll be interesting to see. I mean, the thing is, I'm not one of those people that like, oh, it's not going to be as good as Flashpoint. I'm like, please be as good as Flashpoint. I always want something good and great. And and, and the fact that you and I haven't selected uh, Spartan X or Wheels on Meal as our number one. Right. Shows that we we really want this genre, genre to move on. And the truth is, like, every single one of these films, like, for me, whether it's uh, Way of the Dragon, Spartan X, Pedicab Driver, these 
you can see all of these elements in Flashpoint and Flashpoint takes it to the next spot. And that's what, you know, Bruce Lee didn't want innovation to end with him. Samuel Hung doesn't want innovation to end with him. They, they want it to move on and hand it off to someone else or be a part of it again or where is it going to next? They, the artists don't make art so that it ends all art. Artists right. make art because they're called to and because maybe it will lead to the next level. Right. I mean, the same thing could be said of martial arts, which is a problem a lot of you know traditional styles have is holding on to the past. Yeah. These, you know, dogmas of we, we cannot change and this is the way it is. And no, you, you can't stop uh creative evolution and stuff right again and and what's but what also makes like particularly these films great is that they understand the history so you can't hang hold on to the dogmas you have to be willing to break through and break them but you also have to look to your history because those who do not know the past are condemned to repeat it there you go that is the way it goes yeah so Wow. Awesome. Uh, this was fun. I'm glad we, we finished this list. We finished in under two hours, so I'm just going to release it as one episode. Sounds good. Uh, you have any ideas for our next one? Um, I have ideas. I have I- ideas, too. I'm not sure if I'm ready yeah. uh, to, to do them. But uh, now that we, we, you know, obviously we can travel out of our house a little bit more. Yeah. We can hopefully do these in person. We'll get them out to you once a week again just because it, it's hard to – I even find the conversation obviously flows a lot better in person as opposed to Zoom. Yeah. No offense to Zoom. Uh, well, I mean, at, at the case in point, the start of the podcast, I paused because like we haven't <laughs> been able to talk over each other because if we do, the, right. so I'm just like quiet here and you're like, uh, what? you know what to say? But we'll definitely think of a good one to come up with. Uh, otherwise, stay safe, stay healthy, stay sane, stay happy. And we'll be back with you guys shortly. Take care, guys. All right. Bye-bye. <laughs>